Notice with me John chapter 4, verse 22. Jesus told the woman in Samaria, we Jews know whom we worship because it is from the Jews that salvation comes. And then in Romans chapter 3, verse 2, it says the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. Of course, that means the scriptures. And whatever you may think about it, to their credit, the Jews preserved well God's word for us and future generations. Then in Romans chapter 1, verse 2, it tells us the gospel was promised beforehand through his, God's prophets, in the Holy Scriptures. The gospel was promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Jesus himself was the son of David, the son of Abraham, according to Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. And Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says the gospel should be preached first to the Jew and also to the Greek. So in these lessons, if you've been with us, we are examining the Jewish roots of our salvation. Why? To fully comprehend our inheritance in the new covenant, you must have a better understanding of the old covenant. So we also need to see how these two covenants are actually connected. In other words, you cannot be victorious in Christ with half a Bible. You need, you need the whole thing. Augustine said this, St. Augustine from, you know, lived around the year 300 AD. Augustine said, in the old, the new is concealed. In the new, the old is revealed. In the Old Testament, the new is concealed. In the new, meaning the New Testament, the old is revealed. What I mean is they're connected. The Old Testament speaks to us in types and shadows. The New Testament is the fulfillment, what we would call the antitype or the reality of what was symbolized. Christ came to fulfill the promises that God made to the patriarchs. Now, the Old Covenant contained two major components. And there's a lot of things, of course, but here's two major components. First, the law. The law. A list of commandments the Israelites were required to follow in order to be pleasing in order to God. Then number two, first the law. Number two, the altar which was a system of sacrifices to atone for their failings to keep God's law, the law and the altar. The new covenant contains two major components, the cross, the cross, Jesus' sacrifice for us, which purged us, redeemed us from sin. And then number two, the spirit, Amen. So God changed our inward nature in the new birth and he inscribed his laws on our hearts. The law of Moses was like a mirror. It reflected the image of man's true spiritual condition. 
But just like a mirror, it was powerless to change what we see. When I wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror, I frighten myself, I can't believe I look that old, you know. Uh, maybe I see I have a five o'clock shadow, or I guess it would be a 9 a.m. shadow, and, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe, my, maybe I have sleep in my eyes, maybe, you know, my, maybe my face is grimy, but I can't, the mirror shows me this is what you look like. Oh my goodness, that is really shocking, right? And you can't Photoshop the mirror. And so, but I can't take the mirror off the wall and give myself a shave. The mirror shows me who I am, but the mirror cannot change who I am, you see. So the law was like a mirror. The grace of Christ is like water. The water that washes me, changes me, that cleanses me, and also, also renews me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, it says this. So then, the law, so we're talking about how these two covenants connect. The law was our guardian until Christ came. The law was our guardian until Christ came. The Greek word for guardian is paedagogos. And uh, that word referred to, in Greek language, referred to a slave who was responsible for the education and discipline of children in the household. I referred to a slave who was responsible for the education and the discipline of children in a household. So the law could never make us free because a slave cannot set anyone free. And the law was only a temporary measure because a slave does not abide permanently in the house like a son does. And this paedagogos, whatever, only served the children. Well, when the children have grown, he no longer has that position or he no longer has a responsibility. The law was never intended to save mankind. The law was our guardian or our tutor or our schoolmaster. It taught us that we were sinners. So in other words, sometimes we, we, we share the gospel with people in the world and we approach it from this aspect. We tell them, like, if you need joy, if you need peace, if you need contentment, receive Jesus. And they say, I already am happy I'm already enjoying life, and I feel pretty peaceful now, so I don't really think I need this. And see, the thing is, nobody in the New Testament preached the gospel that way. I can't tell you that that's wrong. I'm not saying that you would never be led to share that. I'm not even saying that that, 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 that is you know, theologically incorrect, but it's certainly not what the Bible teaches us or, or exemplifies. Rather... From the law, we see that we are sinners. So a lot of people, they, they feel like, I'm okay. You know, this is, you, know, you go talk to my neighbor. He's really, uh, uh, he's a drunkard. Uh, uh, you know, go talk to uh, my best friend, you know, my colleague in work. You know, he, he's really, you know, struggling. I, I'm okay. Well, let's look at the law. Let's look in the mirror, right? Even if you, even if you covet something that belongs to another, you've committed a sin, Right? If you, if you bear false witness, you've committed a sin. In fact, the, the, the law even tells us this. If you're walking down the road and you see that your neighbor's like donkey has fallen into the nala and you don't reach in to pull your neighbor's donkey out, you've committed a sin. 
To him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So a lot of people in the world, they think they don't need Christ because they haven't looked in the mirror. So we have said Christ is the answer, but they don't know the question, right? Amen? The law was designed to prepare us for Christ who came at the appointed time of the Father. But now that Christ has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So we no longer need the law. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. The reason we don't need the law and the reason the law has really been abolished is because an unrighteous man can't keep the law and a righteous man, I mean righteous in Christ, doesn't need the law. How do we live then? By the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, by that inward nature he's placed in our hearts. So it's actually not a lower way, it's a higher way, a better way to live. Praise the Lord. So we're talking about understanding the Jewish roots of our salvation. But if Jesus is the Messiah, we know that he is, but I'm asking a question. If Jesus is the Messiah that the prophets predicted, then why is it that most Jews have not received him? It's a very interesting question, isn't it? If Jesus, if salvation is from the Jews and Jesus is the Messiah that was prophesied by the, the prophets of old, why is it that most Jews have not received him? You know, it's interesting. When the temple guards who were sent by the Pharisees, when the temple guards refused to arrest Jesus in the temple as he was teaching, the Pharisees accused those guards of being deceived. And they said to them in John chapter 7, verse 48, have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? Well, see, that's not actually a question. It's a rhetorical question. They're not expecting an answer. What they really mean is none of us religious leaders have believed in Jesus, so why would you believe in him? That's, what, that's really what they're saying, you see. And so their argument is this. This is basically their argument. If Jesus truly is the Christ, the Son of God, wouldn't the religious leaders who were actually eyewitnesses of his ministries and knew the scriptures better than anyone in their day, wouldn't they have accepted him? And why didn't they, you see? And actually, even to this day, that would be in one form an argument that Jews have. In other words, there's many Jewish people around the world today who, will, who have rejected Christ. Why? Because they've been taught and told by their religious leaders, you cannot receive him. You see, there was a man in my uh, hometown who was Jewish and he became a Christian. And when he did, his family held a mock funeral for him. They actually had a casket and they had like, you know, like a, like a mannequin or some kind of a, you know, doll, uh, you know, like a fake body. And they held a mock funeral for him and it wasn't done in fun. It was done to indicate he's dead to us. He's dead to us. But actually I know another Jew, same thing happened to him. And he said, I have been crucified with Christ. 
Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So in other words, actually, you're more scriptural than you realize. I, was, I died with him. I was buried with him. So also, I'm raised up to new life with him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So go ahead and have it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So again, why is it that most Jews have not believed in Jesus? This is a valid question. And if you read the book of Romans, you know, if you study it, this is the question that Paul is answering in Romans chapter 9 to 11. It's probably the, a part of the book of Romans that you don't read very much. I'm just guessing. Chapters 9, 10, 11. So three chapters, it must be a very serious question because it's a question that a lot of people in Paul's day and some people even today would have. Why is it that the Jews have not believed in him? Well, I'll first give you the short answer. That way, you know, if you want to go home, at least you got something. The simple and short answer is this. The Jews have a long history of disobeying God. <laughs> it's not the first time this has happened. From the time they came out of Egypt, you know, you know all through the ages, the Israelites who were eyewitnesses of God's miracles, not just the Pharisees, those that generation that came out of Egypt were eyewitnesses of his miracles in Egypt, in the wilderness, and they received revelation of God's word. They knew this is God's will, and yet they continually, repeatedly rebelled over and over again. So why, did they, why have they not believed? Well, let's just say it's not the first time they've not believed God. Then again, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, Jesus lamented, Matthew 23, 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. It's interesting, isn't it? So Jesus pointed out that when Jonah preached in Nineveh, Nineveh was a giant city from antiquity. It was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. So it's, it's, it's in present-day Mosul in Iraq. It was across the river from Mosul in Iraq. So that, they're, they're like, you know, your basic, you know, heathens. They're pagans. You know, they're just, they're actually, if you study history, they're just really despicable people. And Jonah, obviously, that's why he didn't want to preach there. He didn't want them to be saved. He didn't want them. He wanted God to wipe them off the map. That's why he didn't want to go there. It's not, that, it's not that he didn't want to travel that far or, or that he got seasick on boats or something. It had nothing to do with that. He didn't want them to repent. See, that's kind of bad when God wants you to preach like to some people who are you know, pretty rough and everything, and then when they get saved, you're disappointed. <laughs> no, I wanted them to go to hell. See, that's kind of bad. That's exactly what Jonah was doing, but, but they repented. It's amazing they earnestly, sincerely repented. In fact, the king of the Assyrians or, or in, in Nineveh commanded everybody they had to pray and fast and he even said even the animals have to fast. So he went one up on the Nagas. Even, even your animals have to fast. <laughs> Surely we have to feed our pigs. Nope, even they have to fast. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, yet the Jews, he says, in contrast, they persecuted and murdered their own prophets. That's what he's saying. You know, the Bible tells us Ahab was stirred up by his wife Jezebel. 
and killed, in that time, killed most of the prophets of the Lord. Elijah said when he prayed, I'm the only one left, right? So we could preach another sermon right now for all the single fellows who are here. Don't marry Jezebel. I see several women nodding in agreement. I assume that means they agree. Don't marry, don't, Ahab, we could preach another sermon for sure. Ahab actually had some good qualities about him. I know that's hard to believe, but you know, when, when God, when, when the prophet told him he's gonna die, he humbled himself, sackcloth and ashes, and, and he, got, he got real serious. And even the Lord said, well, you know what? That's, that's pretty good that he would do that. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him some, another chance. You see, like that. But he married the wrong woman. Amen. Maybe somebody needs to hear this. The wrong woman could just ruin your life. Now I see a lot of heads nodded. <laughs> but but you, need to marry, you need to marry like an Abigail. Like, you know, the one that David married. You need to marry someone, a virtuous woman, a godly, a Proverbs 30. Or do we have any Proverbs 31 women here today? Okay, do we have any women here today? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, tradition says that Manasseh, you know, he was king in um, is, uh, Judah, I think. Manasseh had Isaiah cut in half with a saw. Took him to the sawmill. <laughs> made two Isaiahs. Jeremiah, according to tradition, was stoned to death in Egypt with the fellow Jewish exiles that went with him. Hmm. Jehoram, another king, had Micah put to death. Amaziah, another king, of course, tortured Amos, and his son uh, killed him. Zechariah was killed in the temple near the altar by Jehoash. So when Jesus said, oh, Jerusalem, you, you know, you're like the only city in the world that kills its own prophets, it, that's really true. That's not an exaggeration, Right? So the point is, they got a long history of disobeying God, don't they? Now, some skeptics in our day have questioned, well, if the Jews really are chosen by God, why does it seem, in fact, it doesn't just seem, it's really a fact, why have they suffered so terribly throughout the ages? Well, I just tell you the truth. The Bible tells me why. Some people may not appreciate the answer, but this is the answer. In Luke eleven fifty, Jesus said, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. And the word, Greek word for generation could be translated nation, against this nation. Pontius Pilate was willing to let Jesus go. He knew he was innocent. But the people cried out for Christ to be crucified. And when Pilate objected, and said, I wash my hands of the whole thing. Why should I do this? In Matthew 27, verse 25, it tells us, and all the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Now, when, he, when, when they said his blood be, all, be on us, they don't mean let us be washed in the blood, you know, let us be redeemed by the blood. That's not what they mean. You understand? That's not what they mean. What they mean is 
We will take responsibility for this decision. Let us and our posterity, future generations, be punished for this act. And that's exactly what happened. Christ was crucified around 33 AD. 40 years later, less than 40 years later, in 70 AD, the Romans besieged Jerusalem and they overran it and they ransacked the temple and the Jewish people were scattered all over the world. And for the next 2,000 years, there was no Jewish nation. So that means before the Bible was even completed, because the last book of the Bible probably was written around the year 100 AD, the book of Revelation, which is the last book in the Bible. So that means, you know, uh, uh, before the Bible was even completed, you know, that Jerusalem had, had already been smashed. It ceased to exist, basically. And the Jews were scattered. They, they were a stateless people. And wherever they went... They were harassed, they suffered persecution, they, they, they were killed, they had, it was just one calamity after another, which of course climaxed in modern times with the Holocaust. And then the rebirth of the Jewish nation. And by the way, that's one way that we can tell we must be living in the last days because of the rebirth of the Jewish nation. But again, if salvation is of the Jews, why have the Jews not believed in Jesus? Let me stop to say this because people may misinterpret what I'm saying. I told you in an earlier lesson, it's unscriptural to be anti-Semitic. It's unscriptural to like hate the Jewish people. God loves the Jewish people. The Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The Paul tells us that though they may be enemies because of the gospel, which they have not rejected, yet because of the patriarchs, because of their fathers, they are loved. Right? And the apostle Paul didn't say, I hate the Jews. I just hope they all go to hell. After all, I've got scars all over my back because of them. No, 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 no. He said, I, 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 my heart's desire is that they may be saved. He's, he said, you know, he said, I'm not lying when I tell you, I could wish that I myself would be accursed from Christ if it would mean that they would be saved. So he certainly wanted the Jews to be saved, right? But, in other words, but again, the question is, why have not the Jews believed in Jesus? So let's, let's look at a couple of scriptures in the time we have left. Notice with me Romans chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Are you still here? Romans chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. Now, this is very important. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but, and notice this is in quotate, quotation marks, this is a quote from the Old Testament, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. One translation says for verse six, it cannot be said that God broke his promise. Now, you understand this, of course, when we say the Jews, the word Jew it refers to the tribe of Judah. But the covenant of God was not just given to one tribe, but to all of Israel. Israel is Jacob's name, just changed. So really, it all began not with Judah, it began with their father or grandfather, Abraham right? It began with Abraham. And Paul is telling us, the Spirit of God is telling us, Abraham had a son through his servant Hagar, 
whose name, of course, was Ishmael. And do you know that after Sarah died, that rascal got remarried. (laughs) To a woman named Keturah. And he had six more sons by her. So he wasn't finished. He just kept on going. (laughs) How many of you are believing for the blessing of Abraham? Don't raise your hand. Man, he just kept on, kept on having them. And, um, but, but God chose Isaac to carry on Abraham's name and legacy. Isaac alone was the true spiritual heir of Abraham and not these other sons. So that means being merely a physical descendant of Abraham does not include you in the covenant because he had other sons and they're not included. Through Isaac, your name will be called. And Isaac, unlike his stepbrothers, was born through a promise. Really, he had a supernatural birth. It was an impossibility, but through faith, the power of God brought it to pass through a supernatural birth. Ishmael, of course, was born through the flesh just the product of human effort. In the same way, you and I today are included in this covenant, not because of who we are in the flesh or because of anything that we have accomplished, but through a supernatural birth, being born again through faith, the same kind of faith that Abraham had, faith in the word of God, in the gospel of Christ. Can you say amen? And while Isaac was a toddler, maybe he was just three or four, I'm not sure. When Isaac was a toddler, Abraham celebrated with a grand feast. But the Bible tells me that Ishmael, who was probably like 13 or maybe 15 at that time, Ishmael mocked Isaac because he was jealous, no doubt. He was jealous. And what's the point? Galatians chapter four, verse 29 says that Just as then the son who was born of the flesh persecuted the son who was born of the promise, even so today, those who have only a fleshly connection with Abraham persecute those who have a spiritual connection with Abraham, those who are born of the promise. So if you think about it, and this would make some people just so angry they couldn't see straight, In that verse which I quoted to you or or referred to, Paul is not comparing the Jews who rejected the gospel to Isaac. He's comparing them to Ishmael. That's why he was so popular in Jerusalem. (laughs) That's why they tried to tear him limb from limb when he just showed up in their city. You can understand it. And he's saying that we who are born of a promise... We're like Isaac. It was an impossibility, something that couldn't happen, but God did it for us because of his goodness and simply because we believed him. Hallelujah. And Galatians chapter four, verse 24 says this. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. You need to be careful that you don't try to 
turn everything in the Bible to a symbol. Not everything is symbolic, right? When the Bible says that John the Baptist wore a coat of camel's hair and ate honey and locusts, I don't see that that camel represents like traveling or not being thirsty in a desert or, you know, I don't, I don't see any kind of mystical meaning in that. And I think it would be a mistake to try to find some kind of meaning in something that doesn't exist. But here, the Spirit of God inspired Paul. This is God's word. He says, in this case, there is a, a secondary thought there. So basically, if you read the whole passage, which I won't do now, you can go home and do that. Paul further compares Hagar to the old covenant, the law, which was received at Mount Sinai. Now, she was a slave, and so a child born of a slave is also a slave, and a slave cannot set a slave free. So those under the law are still slaves to sin, still laboring, still just trying to work. But we are in the new covenant. Like Isaac, we were born in freedom. And he goes on to say that we correspond to the new Jerusalem. In other words, heaven is our home. And God instructed Abraham, cast out the slave woman and her son. In Galatians 4.30, he says that. So we are not trying to obtain a standing with God through human, just normal, natural, human effort. We do not receive God's favor through the flesh. And we have to cast out that kind of thinking. That's Ishmael thinking. We have to have Isaac thinking. We stand by grace through faith. And the verse goes on to say, Galatians 4.30, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So what that means is Abraham's blessings, not only natural, of course, but spiritually, was not to be shared with those two boys. Was not to be shared. The son of the slave has no inheritance with the son of the free woman. Likewise, we must not have a mixture of faith and also flesh, spirit, and also self. Some people get born again by the grace of God, and then they try to go back under the old covenant. They try to go back under that old way, that dead way. But no, you can't go back because you will not experience the inheritance. You will not enjoy the blessings of the cross if you try to go back to, do, to obtain something by your own self-effort, by try to purchase it, try to earn it, just from the, your own flesh. Amen? Can you say amen to that? Again, the question is, again, one more time, why have most of the Jews not received Jesus? Okay, I will answer that question with a question. Who is a Jew? Why have most of the Jews not received Christ? Who is a Jew? Well, you might think, well, that's easy to answer. Is it? Let me give you God's answer to that question. Romans chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. Listen carefully. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision 
outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the spirit, not by the letter, his praise is not from man, but from God. So who is a Jew? What is a Jew? Well, you know, generally speaking, in, in, in our modern day, it's assumed that if your mother was Jewish, you're Jewish. So very simple. Like if you want to go to Israel and I want to be a citizen, they say, well, you have to be Jewish. Well, my mother was Jewish. Okay, you got it. However, there's a problem. Romans chapter nine, verse 10 and 11 reminds us Rebecca, the wife of Isaac, had twins. And God chose the younger and rejected the older. They're both born from a Jewish mother. You can't get more Jewish than Rebecca, <laughs> right? If she's not Jewish, then who is, right? She's, she's, she's Isaac's wife, right? She had two sons. And before they were even born, hadn't done anything wrong or good for that matter, God said the, young, the, the older will serve the younger. I choose Jacob. The covenant continued with him. So once again, so would you say that Esau is Jewish? Well, Paul would say, no way, Jose. Mm -mm. So just being, having a Jewish mother doesn't make you Jewish. Others would argue, especially in Paul's day, that circumcision makes a man a Jew. But many men today are circumcised for various reasons, medical, etc., and no one considers them Jewish. I hope you'll pardon me. I don't mean to be uncouth. But, you know, in our Bible school, uh, several, several years ago, we had a guest teacher, and uh, she, it was a woman and she told me that uh, she was teaching in the class about, you know, the blessing of Abraham or the covenant or something like that. And she said, now all of us here today, you know, we're not Jewish, we're Gentile believers. And then she stopped herself and said, oh, well, maybe I'm assuming something that's not true. Is there anyone here who is Jewish? And one fellow from, uh, from Mumbai raised his hand. And she said, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Are you Jewish? And he said, circumcised. <laughs> And her face turned, you know, as red as one of our LED lights during praise and worship, you know. <laughs> and she was so, you know, flummoxed by that. When she told me the story, her face was red. It was rough. But, but that doesn't make you Jewish. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, after I dismiss, Brother Lloyd will be up in the front of the... <laughs> to explain it more clearly to you. <laughs> Notice with me Romans chapter 4, verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. What does the scripture say? Actually, this verse in Romans is a quotation from Genesis 15, verse 6. It's quoting a verse from the Old Testament. And it says that when Abraham believed the promise of God, God at that moment credited righteousness to his account. You know, like, like we make a deposit from the church um, you know, offering, okay? So, so somebody goes, you know, from the office and they make that deposit in our account. But a lot of times, like, 
it's like the next day or something that it's, it's credited. We go online or something or we get a statement or whatever and then the figures are there, right? So actually you don't have it until it's credited to your account. Even though you said, no, I gave it you know, an hour ago. No, no, until we put it on the ledger, you, know, you actually don't have it, right? So in the past, righteous people were those who lived and behaved a certain way, but here, because Abraham believed God, and this is the first time the word believe is found in the Bible, so that means it's important, God instantly put righteousness to his account and said, from now on, I consider you right in my sight. Not because Abraham never sinned, because actually we know that he did, he told a lie, but because he believed. And this must be a pretty important thing because um, in a pivotal moment in his life, because the New Testament quotes this verse three times. So it's a very important thing. It's not just like, just a, a, another, you know, unnecessary little detail of his life. And when did this monumental event occur in Abraham's life? And basically, you, we would say it's when he got saved. If you, want, if, you want to, if you want to think of it that way, this is when Abraham got saved. Now, he couldn't be born again you know, because nobody could have eternal life until after the resurrection of Christ, but he was right in the sight of God. And that's the argument. And that's not something that, that's said about everybody in the Bible, right? He was right in the sight of God. So when did this conversion, if you will, when did this occur? Was it after he was circumcised? No, it was before. In fact, several years before. See? So Romans chapter four, verse 11 says this, that circumcision, which Abraham received, God told him to do it, that circumcision was a sign. And that word means a mark to indicate something. Remember that God put a mark on Cain. I don't know what kind of mark that was, but it was something visible people could see that indicated, no, you can't kill this man. No, he, 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 there was some kind of an indication physically on him that prevented others from killing him, you see. And then he says in verse 11 that circumcision was a seal, a seal, S-E-A-L, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. Again, he believed first. God credited that righteousness to his account. Much, much later, he was circumcised. And that was a seal. The word seal means a legal attestation. Think of it this way, like an official stamp on a document. So you have a petition that you take to the court or you go to the, uh, the DC's office or something like that or the police or whatever and, you, and you, need, you, know, you need to have the right authorized person to put his stamp on it. And if it's not stamped, then it's not valid. That Nobody will accept it, you know, you'll get in trouble. So this was like God's showing. This is like a legal proof that he is righteous. That was the purpose of it, you see. So here's the thing. The Holy Spirit, speaking through the Apostle Paul, says a real Jew is not just born naturally with a mark in his flesh. He is born of the Spirit, and he's circumcised in the heart. So the Holy Spirit says to the Apostle Paul, a real Jew is not just someone born in the flesh with a mark in his body. He's born of the spirit and circumcised in the heart. 
And there's a play on words. This is a Bible study. Play on words in Romans chapter two, verse 29. You know, a Jew is not on the outward, but he's inward. His praise is not from men, but from God. The word Judah, remember Jew was short for Judah. The word Judah means praise. It means praise. So it's a subtle thing. What he's saying is this, that we have something infinitely better than approval and respect in society. We have been approved by God. We have been accepted and approved by God. So it really should not bother you if society, the religious society, the culture does not accept you because there's something so much better than that that causes everything else to pale in comparison. God himself has put his mark of approval on you and accepted you. Hallelujah. Notice with me Philippians chapter 3, verse 2. Philippians 3, 2. You may think this is odd, but, but I'll show you why. Philippians 3, 2 says, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Well, remember how we said you can't really appreciate the new covenant till you understand the old covenant? Because it's all tied together, you see. Although we must read the old covenant with new covenant eyes, you see. The Bible's progressive revelation. So look out for dogs. Is Paul telling us to be careful around poodles? Don't pet every puppy that sniffs your ankle. Some of them bite. No, he's using, you knew that already. He's using a derogatory comment to describe certain people, right? Why? Well, dogs, and forgive me all you dog lovers out there, I, I don't take this the wrong way. Dogs have no appreciation for things of value. Huh? Maybe your dog is special, I'm sure he is. But, but you know, generally speaking... If you leave a dog alone in your bedroom while you're at work or something, I mean, maybe everything will be fine. Oh, great. Or you could come back and find out that dog has chewed up your marriage certificate, <laughs> hmm? has buried your passport, you know, somewhere in the compound and peed on your Bible. So you, 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 dogs don't care, they don't know. And then dogs, they value things that are not valuable. After tearing up your best couch, they'll leave their prize number one bone on your doorstep. <laughs> like a little trophy. Aren't you proud of me for leaving this here for you? Leave it on your bed, you know? So, so in the same way, some people are doggy. They don't value things that are truly important. The we, who are these people? The Williams translation says, that links these together. Look out for those dogs those mischief makers, those self-mutilators. See, some people, people who value outward ritual more than inward transformation are dogs. That's what the Bible says. Oh! <laughs> when he says he, the self-mutilators, he's talking about people who, who are trying to take you back under the old covenant, who's trying to tell you, no, no, you have to be circumcised, and then only can you be saved. And really, they're trying to go back under the, under the shadow 
and, and rejecting the reality that we now have, you see. So he calls them you know, the circumcision or the self-mutilators. So those are harsh words. But people who value outward ceremony more than inward reality, the Bible calls them dogs. The same people, just like the dog would chew up your sofa and leave a bone on your front doorstep. That's exactly, that's exactly right. They're, people, they're chewing up, destroying things that are really valuable and significant that should be held on to and highly prized. Amen. Some of you are looking at me kind of like a mean dog right now, actually. Hallelujah. Verse three says this. For we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. What is he saying? Hold on to your chair. We are the true Jews. We are the true Jews. A Jew is not one who's merely outward. It's not someone who's just Abraham's descendant. We've already proven that. It's not just somebody who's been circumcised or gone through some kind of religious ceremony. We've just proved that. It's those who are circumcised in the spirit. A circumcision made without human hands in the heart. The Colossians chapter 2 verse 11 in the New International Version says, In him, meaning in Christ, you were circumcised in putting off the sinful nature. The real circumcision is when being born again, you're no longer dominated by the natural, human, fleshly nature. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are the true Jews, and we are the true worshipers. I said we are the true worshipers. We have no craving for a ceremony, but for Christ. We need not meaningless ritual, but the reality of God. And our status is not determined by a religious pedigree. Christ himself has brought us into right standing with the Father. And this is my confidence. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, even today, there are people who brag on their religious pedigree. You know, you know, their grandmother was the first theological graduate. You know, their father, grandfather, you know, was a pastor. He, trans, he built the first church in our village. And, and all that, you know, uh, is, is, is uh, not going to bring you closer to God one centimeter. Maybe they did good works for good reasons, and thank God for that, but... My confidence is not in the flesh. I'm, that's, I'm cast out that Ishmael thinking that somehow you could ride your mother's Mikula into heaven. No, that's not true. You come through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ through faith. Hallelujah. It's not because of something that I have done or accomplished. It's not because of something that someone else has done or accomplished except only this. God forbid that I should glory in anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by which the world was crucified to me and I to the world. Hallelujah. This is my confidence. So that means, that means you don't have to look down as you shuffle your feet across the road thinking, oh, I'm from the smallest tribe. I'm from the smallest village, you know, in Nagaland. And, and, and I'm like in the 13th out of 14th children, you know, and, 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 you know, and my family's the poorest family in Nagaland. My status is not based on the flesh. It's not based on the approval of society. I have been approved by God. Hallelujah. 
God does not have any stepchildren. God does not have any illegitimate children. God only has sons and daughters. Hallelujah. Think about this. Think about this. Even, even like kind of our word of faith circles, we're wrong about some things. I said, we're wrong about some things. The apostle Paul in writing to the book of Galatians, like chapter, chapter two, I think, chapter one or chapter two, I forget, but, but he says that, you know, after he got saved, he didn't confer with anybody, you know, but the Lord revealed to him the gospel. The Lord himself showed him the gospel. Then like he says, after 14 years later or something like that, he went to Jerusalem and nobody had ever met him. In fact, they didn't even believe he was saved. And he said that he met Peter and John and he says, who seemed to be pillars. And then he says this, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God, ex- God respects no man's person. Isn't that interesting? Go read it. He said, I, I, he, he brought, he said, I brought to them the gospel that I preach so that I haven't been ministering in vain. In other words, I just wanted to check with them. God, the Lord Jesus revealed to me the gospel message, the, the mystery of redemption. And I've been, he's been preaching for you know, many years, 14 or plus years, but I'm gonna check with these folks who were before me. You know. And then he says, they seem to be pillars in the church. Well, we have pillars in this church building, you know, and it holds up a lot of structure, you know, we're depending on it, it's solid, that type of thing, who seem to be pillars, but whatsoever they were makes no difference to me. God accepts no man's person. Now see, if, if, if Paul was a Ramah graduate, he would say, I had lunch with Peter. I mean, he, he laid hands on me. I felt the glory. And I got, to, I got to go home with John and meet his wife. She's so nice. And they invited me to come back. And oh, would you like to touch me? I'm going to write a book. One evening with Peter and John. But he said, whatever they were makes no difference to me. In fact, if that's not bad enough for some of you, the next chapter he says, and when Peter came to Antioch, I rebuked him. <laughs> I'm sorry? He said, he, said he he's a hypocrite. Read it. He said, because you used to eat with Gentiles. He means Christians who are not from a Jewish background, not Hebrews. And then when James came, you, 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 you retreated and act like you don't do that. In fact, even Barney joined you. I'm so disappointed in you, Barney. <laughs> and, and I told him to, he says, and I told him to his face. I told him to his face in front of all the others. If you, who are a Jew, live like a Gentile, why are you telling the Gentiles to live like Jews? What did Peter say? Well, we don't know. Paul didn't mention anything. But evidently, Peter didn't say, hey, wait a minute, pal. I'm one of the 12. I was there. Where were you when I walked on? I don't think you were there. (laughs) But isn't it amazing? Even the Bible says, henceforth, we don't know any man after the flesh. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. We love verse 17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. We quote all the time. But the verse before that says, henceforth, from now on, we don't know any man according to the flesh. Though we once knew Christ according to the flesh, we don't know him this way anymore. So what Paul is saying is, so you knew Jesus according to the flesh. Hmm. 
Is that all? I know him according to the Spirit. That's what he said. That's what he's saying. Think about that. Ooh, I don't, I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't. The same, the Apostle Paul told us that we should honor one another. And I'm not suggesting that we should be disrespectful to everybody and things like that. You know, if you call me a hypocrite, I might call you one too. So let's, let's not go there. <laughs> but what I'm saying is he, our status does not depend on natural things, even like religious things. Woo. Whatever they were makes no difference to me. God accepts no man's person. This is my confidence. He said, now, if you keep on reading, he says, yeah, I could, I could boast about my flesh. I've got the religious. It's not that I don't have this. See, he said, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, you know, and, and according, followed the law. I, was, I belong to the, the right denomination, the Pharisee denomination. All these things, all the, all, the, all, the, all the boxes were ticked, you know, like that. See, some people talk about, yeah, you know, status is not important. We're all saving Christ because they don't have any status. <laughs> it's easy for them to say that. They don't, you know, it's easy to talk about, you know, so many people are just chasing after money. Well, it's easy to say that because you don't have any money. So, <laughs> right, right. So, but, but he had that. He had the natural status. He had all of the things. He had all of those things. And he says, but whatever things were gained to me, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Not an advantage. Isn't that amazing? Oh, I've been, okay, let me tell you something. I've been in church all my life. You know, I was in the choir. You know, I taught Sunday school. And I went to, you know, uh, a Christian high school. Graduated from theological, you know, seminary. You know, I got my, my, uh, my, my BTH, my BD. And then I got my, my MDiv and my PTH. PhD, permanent head damage degree. I got it all. And I have been... I have been, you know, uh, you know, the, the executive vice, you know, secretary, you know, assistant to the treasurer, you know, grand imperial poobah in my denomination. Whatever you are, makes no difference to me. God accepts no man person. My confidence is not in the flesh. My confidence is not in the flesh. If my confidence is not in my flesh, then it will be real easy for me to tell you, I also don't have any confidence in your flesh. <laughs> Hallelujah. If I don't care who, what my natural status is, I know I don't care about your natural status. Hallelujah. And he said, yes, I count all things but loss compared to the excellence of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And for his sake, I've lost it all. And he says, and I consider it to be rubbish. So when people say all that long list of all other accomplishments, you can say, that's rubbish. And, you know, once they wake up, you can explain it to them from the Bible. <laughs> once, once you resuscitate them from their heart attack, you can explain it from the Bible. The Apostle Paul said, and I count all of these things, my accomplishments, who I am, what I did, all of my Ishmael's, I count it to be garbage compared to this, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Don't be a dog. Don't be a dog. I, I, you don't appreciate me saying that. Don't be a dog. Value the things that are truly valuable. Don't chew up the word of God 
Amen. Don't spit on the covenant. Hallelujah. Don't tear up the, the beauty of this relationship that we have through the blood. Hallelujah. Don't go chasing after old stinky bones. Hold, don't be a dog. Hallelujah. We are the circumcision. Hallelujah. Who worship God by the Holy Spirit. We glory in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Can you stand with me to your feet tonight?